Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Glad you could join us for The Big Red Bench. Rory here with you until 7 p.m. talking all things sport. And coming up on the show tonight, actual live local sports reporter on Cork City playing St. Pat's and a pre-season friend. We're going to hear from boss Colin Healy after the Dubs won by two goals to one. And we are going to talk to Colm O'Sullivan, who was at that game for us as well. Also coming up on the show, going to wrap up all today's Premier League action, including West Ham's impressive win over Tottenham this afternoon. We are going to talk to Saoirse Noonan about signing for Shelburne from Cork City, her international aspirations and taking a step back from the Cork footballers. And we're going to talk rugby and the Six Nations with Emer Constein. That's all coming your way between now and 7 o'clock right here on the Big Red Bench. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us a text 0868104106 or you can send a WhatsApp on that number as well or send us a message on Twitter at Big Red Bench is where you'll find us. All right, in the Premier League and uh, Man City currently in action away to Arsenal in the third game of four today and it is uh, currently still a goal to nil in favour of Man City. Uh, Raheem Sterling scoring inside two minutes. City have uh, been comfortable since then. Arsenal haven't really threatened too much, uh, but 74 minutes on the clock there. Manchester City uh, leading Arsenal by a goal to nil at the Emirates, and if that result stands, they'll go 10 points clear of Leicester City, who picked up uh, an impressive win over uh, Aston Villa today. Uh, at Villa Park was Tom Gale. Aston Villa 1, Leicester 2. The visitors close the gap on leaders Manchester City to 7 points. First half goals from James Madison, a sweet strike from 20 yards, and Ashley Barnes, quickest to react after the keeper spilled Jamie Vardy's shot and it could have been more in that opening 45 Villa responded they got one back early after the break but they were never really at it Brendan Rodgers' side much the better throughout the 90 minutes the only disappointment for them James Madison injured himself taking off the corner he was forced off as a sub while the England manager Gareth Southgate was watching but at full time Aston Villa won Leicester 2 yeah good win for Leicester we're certainly motoring along very very nicely indeed uh, thanks to us Golton James Madison and Harvey Barnes they're picking up all three points points and manager Brendan Rogers says he's delighted with the win and their performance we know what a good side Aston Villa are to come and play for the majority of the game the way we wanted to and then defend like we had to at times I was so pleased and very proud of the team West Ham meanwhile are up to fourth with a 2-1 win over Tottenham today at lunchtime and that was a good win for West Ham and a good performance as well Guy Swindles West Ham 2 Spurs 1 goals at the beginning of the first half through Antonio and the second through Lingard just giving West Ham enough of a buffer against a Spurs team that really turned it on in the second half they got one back through Lucas Moore as Gareth Bale took command but when Son's shot in time added on agonisingly hit the inside of the post and was kept out Spurs knew it wasn't their day it's West Ham's West Ham 2 Spurs 1 yeah good game that one this afternoon so that is West Ham to fourth in the Premier League into the Champions League qualification places David Moyes doing a cracking job with the Irons and he says his side can get even better I just think that our, things like our possession our retention of the ball we feel as if we need to be better but I keep saying you know I think we're only growing and I'm trying to get good foundations down that we can try and improve and that's why I'm trying to say well let's not get carried away totally We've still got a lot of things to do. As for Spurs, though, they are now nine points adrift 
of the top four following today's defeat. Jose Mourinho says they only have themselves to blame. I feel that the result should be a different one from what uh, we played, especially in the in the second half. That's my feeling. We start the game with a defensive mistake and we start the second half with another one. And when you are punished by by these uh, goals, then it's, it's difficult. All right, last game of the day is at Old Trafford, Manchester United uh, taking on Newcastle, Peter Smith. Manchester United might be 12 points better off than this time last season, but too many drawn games have hindered their pursuit of leaders' city. Oligan Solskjaer has an eye on the Manchester derby in a fortnight's time, but surely there's no margin for error if United are serious about overhauling their neighbours. Newcastle's points buffer above the relegation zone has been eroded to three. Steve Bruce has only ever taken a solitary point in 33 as a visiting manager at Old Trafford, where it's Manchester United against Newcastle. So as Peter said there, it looks likely that Manchester United are going to be 13 points behind City uh, by the time uh, Old Trafford uh, kick-off at Old Trafford happens at 7pm. But Basel Gonosalcia isn't giving up on the Premier League title race and he says they'll continue to do all they can to close the gap. I don't think anyone would say that they're, they're not going to go for it. We're going to go for a win every single game we, we play. Of course we are. But uh, whatever other, other teams do, City, Liverpool, Leicester, Chelsea, Tottenham, whoever, uh, West Brom, we can't control. That kicks off at 7 o'clock tonight. Man City still up a goal up on Arsenal. 30 minutes left on the clock there in that game. Meanwhile, the champions, Liverpool, suffering their fourth straight Premier League defeat yesterday as their title defence continues to falter as they were beaten by Everton for the first time in over a decade, going down 2-0 at Anfield. But boss Jurgen Klopp says his team are going to keep fighting. The only way I know is to try it again and again and again. The boys are still full of desire. I see that. But to change a football game and a result and to get a result, you have to be decisive in the right moments. Yeah, Liverpool certainly going through a very, very tricky spell. Indeed, didn't look all that great yesterday against Everton. But as you heard, Jurgen Klopp there says he's confident they can uh, get back to winning ways and his team will keep fighting. But uh, not what Liverpool fans would have expected from their Premier League title defence. Elsewhere today in Scotland, and uh, Rangers beat Dundee 4-1 at Ibrox today. So that means that Stephen Gerrard's side are 18 points clear at the top of the table. They need just 10 more points to become champions. Celtic playing Ross County though today at uh, half past seven and the defending champions uh, suffering a poor start to the season falling way behind leaders Rangers but they're looking to get uh, back to I suppose extend their winning run uh, to six games tonight and uh, boss Neil Lennon says he's looking forward not back can't dwell on the past you can analyse it at the end of the season or over the piece but um, you know we're just concentrating on on the present really and um, getting a groove on at 7.30 the kickoff time for that one as I mentioned Cork City in friendly action today as uh, they lost out uh, to St. Patrick's Athletic in a pre-season friendly in Blarney and uh, finished by two goals to one um, in that pre-season game earlier on today and uh, Ron Hurley scoring the goal for Cork City so uh, we'll talk to Colin about that in just uh, a little bit in rugby five of the French team which started in their win against Ireland in the Six Nations will miss next weekend's game with Scotland Star scrum half Antoine Dupont is among those who have tested positive for coronavirus on Thursday. France's health minister upped the isolation period for those with COVID-19 to 10 days. In Snooker Northern Ireland's Jordan Brown leads Ronnie O'Sullivan five frames to three in the final of the Welsh Open. It's the Antrim Nader's first ever major final. It's a best of 17 contest in Newport. 
In golf, the American Sam Burns has a two-shot lead over the chasing pack uh, as he prepares for his final round of the Genesis Invitational. Completion of the third round was delayed due to darkness and high winds. He'll tee off his final round just after half past six Irish time on nine under par. And in racing, the Noel Mead-trained Beacon Edge won the feature race of the day at Navin today at the Labrox Ireland Boyne Hurdle. Sean Flanagan got a seven-year-old to victory ahead of the Gordon Elliott-trained Fury Road with a stablemate Tiger Roll coming home last of the six that finished. Right, we are going to kick off the show with football and Cork City's 2-1 defeat uh, to St. Pat's today in that pre-season friendly. Cork City's first pre-season game today as all eyes are on the 26th of March in the first game in the first division for Cork City as they take on Cove Ramblers and what should be a cracking local derby at Turner's Cross. Um, going to hear from uh, Colm O'Sullivan in just a little bit who is at Blarney for us today but first Colm got the thoughts of City boss Colin Healy. So with Cork City manager Colin Healy. Colin a good run out for the lads today? Oh listen it was yeah it's um, played a good season in, in Pats and um, it was it's, it's good it's good to get 19 minutes into the boys after a long time off so it's um, no it's, it's good to see the boys back out there It's been a longer than usual off season as you say so I mean you've been training away but to finally get on the pitch and just get a full 90 minutes must be good for the lads just to kind of get competitive football even in a friendly game Yeah no I do and, and listen you're playing against a very very good team um, no the boys enjoyed it and uh, they showed glimpses um, so um, it was no we got beaten there was um, some good performances there Beaten 2-1 but as you say good performances and Pats are an experienced side a lot of good players in that team today the likes of Robbie Benson and John Moutney and Ronan Coughlin with the goal and so on so it's, it's a strong side You know it's a strong side and it's, and it's a good game for us it's a good game for us you know so it's um, and we knew that they'd have a lot of possession of the ball um, but it was and even for the new lads that we have in is just um, sort of quality that the the likes of these Pats and the, the, the Premier teams have so no, it was a good it was a good game for us and um, we uh, got a lot of positives out of it You got to use a lot of players you made about six changes in the second half there you got two different goalkeepers on so you got to kind of try a lot of guys out and that's probably what you need to do over the next couple of weeks now That's pre-season and, and that's what we need the boys need the lads these minutes and so it's listen we have another three games um, another three games and so it's um, we need to get the minutes into the players I said you can train all you want but they need to get games as well What was pre-season with so far you brought a few new lads in the likes of Jamie Wynn was playing today obviously Stephen Beattie is back he wasn't playing yeah no listen Beats, um, Beats not ready yet so um, no listen he's, he's, he's trained away um, listen he's great he, he'll be fine as I said um, Jamie came in and we got George we got there was a lot of lads in there today you know that's probably their first time in playing with us so and, uh, and they've done, they've done, they've done well so it's, um, it was a positive you happy overall with how the squad is coming together now ahead of the new season yeah no listen as you can see there is uh, listen we, we made a lot of changes and uh, there's some good quality there so it's um, it's been good it's been good it's been a good game enjoyed it although we, we didn't have enough for the ball, but that's Pats. Pats. Pats are a strong team, like. But it's um, it's um, it was a it was a good game for us. It's the first of four preseason games. It's four Premier Division teams you're playing now in the preseason games, so that'll be a good challenge for you ahead of the first division starting in a month's time. Listen, you want to play, you want to play some good teams, you know. So it's um, it, and you can see there today, you know. So and it's a big game now. It's not a big game. But it'll be a tough game against um, Rovers next week. And obviously, you're all looking forward to the big game start of the season. Cove Ramblers, the home game. Just a pity there won't be a crowd there for it, but it's a, it's a nice derby to start off with, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's a shame. Like, but you're listening. It is what it is. Um, yeah, it's uh, be a big game. So, um, one that we're all looking forward to. Thanks, Colin. Okay, Okay, that was Colin Healy speaking to Colm after today's defeat. Two same paths. Two one was how it finished in Blarney. Colm joins me on the line now. First off, Colm, how good was it having live sport to report on? I tell you what, I was actually looking forward to this during the week because we can go so little places and do so many little things in life in general and we're used to just watching sport on TV. I haven't been at a sporting event um, since 
October or November. Mm. The last one was probably whenever Cork City's last game of the season was because there's been nothing since. There's been no League of Ireland. There's been no GA. There's been no rugby. So it was great to be out on a sunny day at a match and uh, be out with uh, see the lads running around and actually just having a, a live sporting fixture to go to. Um, it's the little things in life, Roar, but it was great. <laughs> and it was it was a good run out for Cork City today. As you heard Colin Healy mentioned there, um, they, they, they kind of, they started slowly in the first half, really. I mean, St. Pat's got an early goal after four minutes through Ronan Coughlin, who was with Cork City about two or three seasons ago. And a player who's really come on since then, and he's done very well with Sligo Rovers, and he's signed for St. Pat's now, and he's off to a good start with Pat's getting one today. He got a second goal in the first half too that was disallowed for offside and he looked very lively throughout Cork City took a while to get grips with St. Pat's Cork City had a, a few new players in the starting lineup. and um, Paul Hunt a new signing in goal was playing for City it remains to be seen whether he'll be number one who'll be number one it could be him mm. it could be David Harrington son of Phil Harrington who um, came on for the second half or it could be Mark McNulty who was there today as well in the coaching capacity so I, I'd imagine Colin Healy is still kind of undecided about who will start in goal for them uh, Paul Hunt did okay in the first half he, he made one bit of a clangor alright when he could have got sent off he came way out of the box and did a bit of a dodgy foul shall we say <laughs> <laughs> clattered your man from Pats and uh, only got a yellow card for it so he might have been lucky there but overall he did okay other than that likewise with David Harrington in Cork City's goal in the second half again it was a mistake from him really led to St. Pats' second goal the penalty in the second half um, he kind of fumbled the ball when it would have been easier to catch it or punch it and it resulted in in Pats getting a shot and there was a handball and a penalty given that put Pats 2-0 up in the second half then in the second half really for the, the last 30-35 minutes Cork City really got into it and really upped their game Colin Healy had made 5 or 6 changes at that stage introduced a lot of players the likes of Corey Galvin came on Keen Murphy Dale Holland and um, it really kind of stepped things up for Cork City and Ronan Hurley got a lovely goal to pull one back for City with about 20 minutes to go uh, they couldn't get an equaliser but overall I think um, I think a good positive performance from Cork City and I think Colin Healy will learn a lot from it because it was a very strong St. Pat's side out today. I mean, Stephen O'Donnell is managing them now and uh, he's signed guys like John Moutney from Dundalk, um, Robbie Benson from Dundalk, who all have big European experience and league winning experience. And uh, Ronan Cochran from Sligo, a good goal scorer as well. Chris Forrester was playing. It was a very experienced Pat's side. So I, I think Colin Healy, as you heard there, was happy enough with how City mm-hmm. played. Um, George Heaven arrived uh, a couple of weeks back. Uh, a lot of talk about him. He'd been with Leicester City, a big centre half. How did he look today? He looked all right. In fairness, I, I was quite impressed with him, actually. Um, he, he reminds me a bit of a, of a Dan Murray-type mm. player. Dan Murray was there himself today watching, actually, as well, the former Cork City captain. And uh, George Heaven was... It was a partnership of Heaven and Slevin. Um, <laughs> George Heaven and Rob Slevin in the centre-half pairing today. And I think I think he did pretty well, Roar. He looks he looks very confident on the ball, and uh, he looks like he's a kind of a towering centre-half who can win a header in difficult situations and so on as well. So he did okay when he was called upon today, I thought. Uh, Jamie Wynn, who's a new signing as well, he actually signed from Dundalk a young striker he played the first half today he was taken off at half time but again he didn't get a whole lot of chances because City weren't really creating many chances in the first half and St. Pat's really dominated the first half of the game today but Jamie Wynn I thought looked lively up front as well and I think himself and George Heaven are two good kind of astute signings that Colin Hilly has made um, along with some other players he's added to the squad as well Stephen Beattie obviously uh, who was on the show last week is, mm. is a big big signing returning to Cork City he won leagues and cups with City and so on a couple of years ago I was chatting to Beats afterwards and uh, he just wasn't ready today really to play he, He's not injured or anything. Um, it's just a fitness thing. He, he was he was in Blarney. He was doing some running before the game and so on. And Colin just didn't want to play him on the AstroTurf pitch today. Just didn't think he was ready for it. Um, but uh, he will be fit and he will feature in some of the preseason games over the next couple of weeks as well. City so have um, three more preseason games to come over the next four weeks. So they're away in Tallinn next week against Shamrock Rovers next Sunday, which will be a big test for them as well. Obviously, very hard to read too much into uh, just one preseason game, the first preseason game mm-hmm. back. But 
um, signs of confidence, I suppose, going into the, the new season? Do you know what there was really? Because, I mean, it's something that's been lacking from Cork City a lot over the last, I suppose, two years at this stage, really. Um, if you look at, at their last couple of seasons, City didn't look overly confident in any game they were playing. And I think Colin Healy, we kind of saw it at the end of last season, he kind of got kind of a fight and a kind of bit of attitude in the team. And I think we could see that again today. I mean, the players looked at it a little bit more confident. They looked to have a bit of self-belief. And I think that's something that Colin Healy and John Connor there with him as well, definitely instill as a coaching team. Um, both both very successful as, obviously, Colin Healy is a player and John Connor is as a coach and a player and so on as well. And um, and like I think they instill that, uh, that belief in the players that they can grow and that they're playing for a big club. They're playing for Cork City and they have to grow and they have to give it their all and they were doing that today as you say it's only a friendly match I mean it's only the first preseason game so you can't really judge much of it I mean uh, the next few games could, could go anyway but I mean it's 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 a good grounding ahead of the first division to play four Premier Division sides now over the next couple of weeks they have Pats today Shamrock Rovers Waterford Finn Harps so that'll give them a, a, a nice level to judge themselves against ahead of the, the big opening first division game in about a month's time on the 26th of March against Cove Ramblers at Turner's Cross um, and as we said with Colin Healy there that's going to be great I mean to be at Turner's Cross for that but mm. it's going to be disappointing that the first local derby in the league between Cork City and Cove Ramblers and I think about 11 or 12 years at least Roar uh, I think it was 2008 or 2009 last time uh, Cove were in the Premier Division and there was a local derby in the league so it'll be a disappointing that you won't have a full house and a, and a full crowd there but um, hopefully there'll be some kind of online streaming platform sorted that the fans can watch it as well Yeah definitely because City and Ramblers turn across first game of the season the excitement of both teams who are go- going to be chasing promotion this year would have been absolutely electric uh, but as you say fingers crossed they will get streaming sorted um, watch LOI seems to be very much up in the air at the moment Colm, doesn't it and I suppose it's going to be Just left to, to, to clubs I imagine to, to, to plug the gaps uh, across the country yeah. so. Even with uh, with Watch LOI last year, it was it was only done for the Premier Division. Yeah. So it's up in the air if they'll do it for the Premier Division again or not this year. I think RT are kind of um, kind of saying they don't want to commit cost wise and so on to doing every single fixture, and they're willing to do about a third of the games, which probably won't be won't be enough. So I'd imagine for the the remaining Premier Division games and probably all of the First Division games, it will be left up to the clubs to to film the games themselves and maybe do some commentary or so on, and um, maybe then charge. I suppose it could be a money maker for clubs as well. They could charge maybe a fee. For for fans to watch it and it would go some way it wouldn't obviously cover the loss but it would go some way to covering the loss of, of not having gate receipts and crowds this season yeah exactly I think it'd be a no-brainer for clubs uh, to, to to do the streaming then charge money and then cover the cost of the streaming if you're not making money other streams fair enough but as long as you're not losing money I think clubs would be happy enough with that just on Colin Healy's squad is there any talk of any more signings to come before the start of the season or is Colin happy with the squad or what do you think he did have a, a a trialist came on today um, I think it was a guy called Jack Walsh from Avondale um, so he does have a couple of players on trial so I think he's ad- looking to add maybe one or two more players over the coming weeks but he seems to be happy enough with the squad he has um, it's a decent squad you can see today there was a there was a, a lot of players there he made six changes Like, and I mean the, the players he brought off the bench are players who could start the likes of Corey Galvin and so on are players who you would very much think would be in contention for a starting place in the first 11 so he does seem to have a bit of depth in the squad there as we mentioned Stephen Beattie wasn't even in the in the, in the match to 16 today so there are players to come in there but I think he would like to add one or two more um, it depends Jamie Wynn could be the goal scoring striker that, that, that we've been looking for um, Ben Owen O'Brien Whitmarsh started up front as well today looked lively and Keen Murphy came on and looked lively as well up front but uh, but that has been a problem position for Cork City in recent years getting goals and so on so hopefully one of those lads can step up or maybe Colin might have someone else in mind that he's looking to sign as well but I'd say he'll be looking to add maybe one or two more, one or two more players mm. over the next kind of two weeks or so Yeah because Colin this first division is going to be amazingly competitive and Cork City can't afford a slow start. Yeah. 
hugely competitive. It's going to be the most competitive first division possibly ever, Rory, yeah. I think, because, um, I mean, you look at it there, you've Cork City, huge club. You have Galway, who, who are investing money and who brought John Caulfield in as manager and have signed a load of players. They're going to be really, really right up there as well. Shelburne, another huge club. They've put a lot of money into, signed a lot of big players. So you're going to have Cork City, Shelburne and Galway as three huge forces, hopefully at the top of the of the first division. And that's before we even start talking about the likes of, of UCD and Bray, who are all a strong first division clubs. Cove Ramblers have made a few signings. They could be up there. Um, Athlone, even, who were down the bottom last year, have spent money and brought in players. So, I mean, there's a lot of teams there, Roar, and you could have it battling out by between five or six teams, I think. Yeah, only four weeks to go until the start of the season. Certainly looking forward to that. It's been really nice having live sports reports on the Big Red Bench today, live local sports anyway, because it hasn't happened since we've come back after Christmas. It's This is kind of a strange yeah. situation. It, uh, it's fantastic. It's great. It's fantastic. Uh, long may it continue and hopefully hopefully over the next couple of months now with, with League of Ireland football coming back and we might have GA coming back in towards the summer and things. Hopefully there'll be a lot more local live sport and, and hopefully it's only a matter of time as well before people can actually attend that. So we're kind of lucky in, in the media that we can attend these mm. games but I think there's a lot of people listening now who would love to be going to games especially on a on a sunny Sunday afternoon like today when when, there, when there's not much else to do with, with half the country closed down. I mean a, a sport is a great outlet for people and it's outdoors and we keep hearing about outdoors being very very important in terms of COVID and so on so hopefully we can gradually get, get fans back into, into all sports for yeah certainly so alright Colm thanks for that buddy and I'll chat you soon thanks for it yeah, great to talk to Colm and great to talk about live sport here on Lee's side it's, uh, it's been a while um, it's been a while since we've had live sports report on locally um, since before Christmas anyway nothing's been happening after Christmas obviously the GAA hasn't started back yet and uh, it's good to see Cork City back in action and uh, good to see them get a good run out today against uh, a decent St. Pat's team and uh, quit themselves quite well as well as Columbus mentioned it's going to be amazingly competitive in that first division um, with so many good teams and a lot of um, money being spent and a lot of players being brought in to, to teams all around the country and uh, Ramblers have assembled a very good squad Cork City have assembled a decent squad Galway United with John Cott at the helm of course uh, assembling a very very good squad indeed and um, you've got Shelburne there as well it's just going to be brilliant crack this first division it's going to be intense and it's going to be a lot of focus on it uh, with Cork City down there um, this year I'm really looking forward to really looking forward to the start of the season on the 26th at Turnus Cross as we were saying with there we're coming such a shame that it won't be a, a full Turner's Cross given the COVID situation in this country a packed Turner's Cross for a local derby on the opening day of the season would be absolutely sensational uh, but we're not it's not going to happen hopefully We'll be getting crowds in towards the, the later part of the year. Um, but, and hopefully something can be sorted with streaming as well because it would be a shame if that game wasn't streamed live. I imagine it is going to be streamed live somehow uh, by one or both of the clubs. So it'll be, it remains to be seen, but I'd imagine fans will be able to get to see it because it's, it's too big a game not for, for, for fans not to see it. But it's going to be a cracking first division campaign and I cannot wait for Cork City, uh, of course, playing Shamrock Rovers next week uh, in that pre-season, in their second pre-season friendly. Uh, so we'll be talking about that on next week's show. And uh, the Premier League, it's approaching full time at the Emirates where Manchester City look like they're going to hang on to that 1-0 win. In fact, the final whistle is just gone. Arsenal nil, Manchester City won. 
is how it's finished. Uh, Raheem Sterling with the goal after uh, just uh, under two minutes. That's given City all three points. The season got 10 points clear of Leicester City, 13 points clear of Manchester United, who are in action this evening at Old Trafford. They take on Newcastle United. And there for us is Peter Smith. Well, looking at Solskjaer makes two enforced changes from his last Premier League selection. Edison Cavani and Scott McTominay are both ruled out. In come Nemanja Matic and Daniel James. One alteration to the Newcastle side where Joe Linton is restored with Dwight Gale dropping down to the bench. At Old Trafford, it's Manchester United against Newcastle. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk to Ian McConstein about the Women's Six Nations. And next, we're going to talk to Sir Noonan about signing for Shelburne. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Glad you could join us on the show on this Sunday evening. Rory here with you until 7pm, followed by Green on Red for all the best in Irish music from 7 till 10 with Connor Halpin. Manchester City's march towards the title, what looks like an unstoppable march towards the title, has continued with a 1-0 win away to Arsenal. Joe Rawson was at the Emirates. Full time, Arsenal nil, Manchester City won. Raheem Sterling's goal after just two minutes, enough for the Premier League leaders to record an 18th win in a row. In true, the scoreline should have been greater. City dominated the game. Sterling could have had a hat trick. De Bruyne, Mores, and Jesus all could have scored as well. For Arsenal, well, Mikel Arteta will be pleased with the endeavour his team showed, but they rarely threatened Edison's goal. The City train towards the title rolls on. Can anyone stop them? The Gunners weren't able to. Arsenal nil, Manchester City won. 10 points clear now of second place Leicester 13 clear of Manchester United who kick off against Newcastle in about a half an hour's time Alright we're going to stick with football and Sir Noonan recently signed for Shelburne leaving Cork City I got a chance to speak to Sir about signing for Shell to international aspirations uh, leaving City and taking a step back uh, from the Cork footballers but this is my conversation with Sir Noonan Yeah I suppose I'm I spoke with George, um, my agent with Ten Management, um, back in November, and I think it's my ambition to to play abroad and to, I suppose, get into various team. So I've been working really hard. I feel over the last the last twelve months mostly um, in lockdown, and I just think when Noel when Noel um, when Noel signed up with um, Shells, he contacted me, and I I suppose I did think about it a little, and I was. I suppose looking at other options and there was other options available to me and it just it just seemed right now with everything going on in the world that this was just another journey for me to take and an opportunity that I that I have to take for myself. How hard of a decision was it though to leave Cork City? Yeah, of course, being a, a Cork person, um it was it was a huge decision. I've it's Cork City's all I've known. I've friends, um, lifelong friends there. Um yeah, so it was it was a tough decision, but to be fair to them, they all understood um, my goals and my dreams and my ambitions, and they all supported me, which made which made that decision a lot easier um, for me. And you're saying you were when Noel King approached you. I mean, like, how did Noel King sell Shelburne to you, or did he have to sell it much to you? Yeah, Noel kind of rang me um, and just kind of basically said what his plan was for the year ahead. Um, he asked me my goals. Um, first and he just said look he'd love to have me on board and have a think about it he understood the move um, 
and how big of a deal it would be. Um, and I think one thing I respected a lot was he didn't put any pressure. He just said, mm. you go away, you think about it and come back to us when you're ready, which I did do. So I went back and back and forth to him and Mark Levy from Shells and be fair to them, they've been very accommodating and understanding um, through the whole through the whole process. And I sat down with my family and I just said, look, what do you think? And I think they all just said, look, it's an opportunity and why not go test it? We've nothing to lose and I'm really looking forward to it now. Did you have offers from elsewhere? I think you had offers from America, maybe England as well. So they, they all had to be weighed up against the move to Shelburne. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was looking at going to Iceland there only last week. So before... Um, Shelburne came on board so I suppose all these things come into come into play um, and I was hoping to go to England on trials and stuff so these things are life they're once in a life opportunities and I think with Covid um, all these things have to kind of now be put on hold and I just think with Shelburne it was maybe the right time um, to come along and I just felt like I had to do it and I had to make that jump um, for myself and the season kicking off on March 26th. Have you been up training with your new teammates yet or how is it working? Or Yeah, so I've been up twice now um, and I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, sessions have been intense and there's been a nice a nice atmosphere. Everyone's buzzing to be back on the pitch and so far so good anyway. And I suppose, um, as you say, leaving Cork City was the hard decision but also taking a step back from the ladies footballers as well this year must have been an incredibly hard decision to arrive at. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I probably made my mind up that before I even made the the move to Shells that I had to put that just on hold for, for a couple of months or a season or whatever and really focus on soccer. Um, so I had time I had time to think about that myself and um, I suppose speak to Efi and then let the girls know as well. And again, um, it makes it a lot easier when you've really good support and you've you've girls that um, you feel comfortable with and you feel like you can talk to and tell them and ask for their opinions on things um, because it's not easy. It's not easy moving away from some, some players that you grew up where you're comfortable with them um, you're in your comfort zone to go into a completely new team um, is challenging. So I suppose learning from them, speaking to them, um, they made it really easy and they just said, look, go after your dreams, chase them and the door will be, always be open which was, which was nice to hear. So I remember speaking to you last year it seemed like you had two games almost every weekend coming up to the last the last couple of months of the year um, you said last year you managed it okay but it must have been exhausting at the same time Yeah look I think um, during it I don't think I even felt too tired um, I really felt like I I was mentally ready for it I was physically ready for it and um, I think I I think I showed that in a lot of games that it is possible mm. to play both sports um, it's a different it's a different situation if you want to go play in England and you can't really play for, for Cork ladies as well back home so yeah look um, I do think it's possible and I do think there are going to be girls that that will that want to do both and can do both um, so I would never say that it wasn't possible um, and I do think if I was to keep on Cork City and Cork this year I would have been able to do it again um, so yeah it was just a decision for myself for now that I knew I needed to make a break and try test test myself in other in other areas of the field, and that's what I'm going to do. Still, must have been a, a very tough call to make to Efi Fitzgerald. I'd imagine was it? Yeah, it was. It was more upsetting, I suppose, than anything. Uh, Efi brought me into the team, um, 
and I suppose I made my debut in CIT in the Munster final. Um, so yeah, look, all these little things made it, it made it really emotional for me. Um, I know my granddad definitely wants me to keep playing Gaelic football. Um, who doesn't really want um, to keep wearing the court jersey and keep playing? But right now I'm in the stage of my life that I really want to push on and um, start knocking on the door of the Irish team and try try break into that. So that's my aim and I kind of have to put, put other things on, a, I suppose, the back foot for now and really go after that. So hopefully you'll be in Croke Park this year supporting the girls. For sure, for sure, yeah. Um, and speaking of like coming back to Turners Cross to play against Cork City is going to be a very strange feeling I suppose for you yeah I think um, when the news came out about the girls playing in Turners Cross I was I suppose over the moon in one way and nearly devastated in another way um, Turners Cross always have a huge place in my heart um, played there I suppose underage growing up in cup finals and stuff and then Captaining my country in Turners Cross, scoring against England, Turners Cross, all these little things, um, they stay with you forever, I suppose. And in a way, I was kind of, I kind of knew in my head it'll be Shelburne and Cork City in around the first few games of the season. Um, and I kind of was hoping that I would get to play in Turners Cross, that I would be there. But I was hoping it also wouldn't be the first game because I knew I'd be nervous enough starting with a new team. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really want to go out and play against the girls um, right away. But look, it's the second game and it's it's going to be a day of history, I suppose. And I'm, I feel absolutely privileged. I still, I still get to go out and be involved in that day, even though I'll be wearing the Shelburne jersey. Um, I'll still get to be on the pitch with, with my friends and we'll battle hard for 90 minutes. But once that whistle goes, like, it's everyone's pals. Like, you, go, look, you look through the Women's National League at the moment and um, every single team, everyone's pallies off the pitch. Um, mm. But once it hits the pitch, then it's all guns blazing. So, I mean, like, what targets has Noel set for, for Shelburne this year? I suppose um, their big target is the league. Um, I think they've been there, there about the last couple of years, and I think they're nearly old one at this stage. Um, there's a really good bunch of girls there. Um, and look, P-Mount are phenomenal. And there's huge, there's huge talent and competitiveness within the Women's National League, but I do think Shell's that's the aim this year to, to get a trophy and definitely bring the league the league back to Shells and have you set any kind of personal targets I suppose for the year ahead yeah I suppose for the last number of months now my main target's just been to try to get into that Irish team um, I said it back in March last year I wrote it down myself and went into that lockdown that I was going to get on the Irish team and I think I I said I'd do it in two years or so that I'll I'll be there thereabouts and I think getting my name in um the squad for, for the Germany game was a stepping stone for me and it really it really has opened my eyes that I can do it um, and I've been in contact with Vera and she's told me little pointers on how to improve and how to get onto her team so so now I think it's just up to myself to go do it and um, improve myself and that's all I can do really Vera was quite complimentary of you towards uh, the, the latter stages of last season which must have been a massive boost yeah, it was of course. Um, everyone wants to be in the in the senior manager's eyes. Um, there's a number of girls wanting to be in in that panel, and there's a number of girls that could be in that panel. So I suppose just when when you feel like you're getting recognised by her, it's another it's another push um, towards your goal, and you know you're heading in the right direction. Um, and I suppose as well in these tough times, like everyone lacks a bit of motivation, and that definitely that definitely helps to push you along those roads and. And show you that your dream, your dream can come true if you keep working hard.
And do you feel like getting onto that international team is within your grasp this year if you work hard enough? Yeah, definitely. I think I think I'm probably borderline there at the moment. Um, as I said, it's just up to myself now. I have to keep keep ticking away, um, doing my own training at home, and then obviously improving with the football up in shells. So I do think I'm there thereabouts, but I have to prove it to be there. I can't just say it. Um, yeah, I definitely have to keep working hard now, and hopefully, hopefully Vera will see that and and call me in. And you mentioned George O'Callaghan at the start of this as well. Uh, he's calling as your agent. How much of a help has George been? Because George has, I suppose, seen it all, done it all in Irish football and abroad as well. Yeah, George's a character. Um, <laughs> but he's been he's been a huge help to me. Um, I speak to him nearly every day at the moment. But um, yeah, look, everything. He just makes everything seem so much easier. He looks after literally everything. Um, we only made a joke about it today. I was telling him if I, I nearly broke down on the way back from Dublin because I nearly ran out of petrol. Um, and I said, geez, if I did, I would have been calling you for my dad because he would have killed me. But um, no, George George has been around the world playing football. He knows the ins and outs. Um, he knows what it takes to be the best um, and what, what work you have to do. So he's definitely been on my case telling me to, to keep getting out on the road and running and running and running. So that's definitely what I have to do for now. Excellent. Saoirse, very best of luck with the move to Shelburne and uh, we're getting on to the Ireland team as well and we'll see you turn us across in a couple of weeks. Perfect. Thanks so much, Roy. Yeah, we certainly will see Saoirse Noonan in a couple of weeks. City's second game of the season, their first Eternals Cross, is against Shelburne. That is on the 3rd of April, Saturday the 3rd of April. So that's going to be a cracking occasion um, as Saoirse Noonan returns uh, to face uh, her former side in just the second game of the season. Um, so it should be an absolute cracking game. Look, best of luck to Saoirse uh, with the move and uh, getting onto the Irish national team and uh, of course a big decision for her to have had to make uh, in taking a step back from the ladies footballers uh, this year of course she was a dual star uh, and has always been a dual star and just uh, was very very busy as I mentioned to her at the, the latter stage of the year last year with Cork City in their cup run and the, the ladies footballers in their run as well was out twice every weekend uh, two different matches two different codes and uh, she did it all fantastically well performances are always always excellent uh, but as she said wants to focus on football for now and uh, see if she can get into Vera Poe's uh, Irish national squad so hopefully we'll be seeing Saoirse in an Ireland jersey very 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 soon indeed right, we're going to talk rugby now in Ireland Munster and UL Bowes uh, back Emer Considine says she's delighted that the Women's Six Nations schedule has been confirmed the former Clare footballer and Camogie player has won 15 caps for her country and says the squad are keen to get back to competitive action after a long absence they open their campaign against Wales on April 10th Considine joined Oisín Langan to discuss that match and their aims for the year ahead. How important is it right now for children to keep working on the skills, stay active and do all that good stuff that they need to do? I think it's so important, you know, kids are at home looking at screens all day long, you know, trying to do some online learning. Um, They're lacking in, you know, meeting their friends every day at school. They're lacking in, you know, the Saturday morning mini rugby leagues they'd have or um, even just getting out in the park and having a bit playing around with a ball, you know, that stuff isn't happening as often. So I think it's so important that this can be done from the safety of your own home in the back garden. There's very limited space needed and you really don't even have to be a rugby player to, to do this. So if, if now is your time that you, you know, started to watch Six Nations and want to be the next um, 
Johnny Sexton, well, you know, and you had no rugby experience, these skills are suited for those, you know, with no little to no skills or the ones that are, are even more advanced. And you actually can do an awful lot of work on your skills at home. And people maybe have realized that more in the last year. And you, as an elite athlete who had to work away at home on your skills, you know that more than anyone, don't you? The skills of rugby don't change whether you're six or whether you're 26 or 36. You know, you still need to be able to pass and catch. You still need to have, you know, you still need to be able to have good footwork. You still need to be able to be fit. You know, the, the skills don't change. And I think that's the beauty of it is that the skills that, you know, we're demonstrating for the for the online skills hub are the skills that I practice day in, day out um, at training or on my own. And, and that's the most important thing is whether you're an elite athlete or whether you're just beginning rugby. The basics are the basics and they still need to be executed well. What is it like at the moment? You're watching, obviously, that the men's Six Nations uh, taking place. We got clarity, I think, last week that there will be a women's Six Nations. So it's, it's maybe easier to watch what's going on when you know that your uh, event is, is, is coming up. Yeah, I think we would have been looking on with envy had we not you know, got something in the calendar, just looking at rugby. And, and it gets even more excited. Like The buzz around the Six Nations is just... It's out of this world. So to be able to know that, like, yes, without crowds, but, you know, to be able to represent your country, sing the national anthems um, and put on the green jersey, you know, it's a dream, whether there's 50,000 people or just 50,000 people watching you from home. Um, so to finally have those dates in the diary was great. And, you know, it makes us even more excited after watching the men's games. And we were training yesterday and it, it makes your train, you have a pep in your step going training, knowing the dates are there. You've there's a bit more bite in training, knowing that, you know, there's jerseys up for grabs and selection is up for grabs. So, oh, look, the next few weeks are going to be super exciting and we really are delighted that the fixtures are finally locked in. And how good is it to have something to focus on? Do you have a date in mind, as you say? Oh, like we're sick of running. Like the, the, end, the end date was never there as to when our pre-season was done and we'd done pre-season one and two and three and four and, you know, the Six Nations got cancelled there back at the start of the year. It was like, my God, we're back to square one again with our conditioning sessions because, you know, it's you're you're peaking. You're trying to taper your load. You're trying to manage your load based on, you know, what what upcoming competitions we had and we didn't. So it, it's just um, everything has changed. The, everyone's mindset has changed. Um, you're, you're training better. Your trainings are more the trainings are, are, are more fun because you're focusing on, you know, game stuff, pitch maps and different combinations and actually putting stuff in place that you know you'll get to practice in a few weeks' time as opposed to just, you know, doing a tackling drill. And yeah, they're important. And like I said, the basics are important, but there's nothing better than playing the game. There's always a lot of eyes on this team. There's always a lot, I suppose, of, uh, of pressure when you're playing for Ireland. But this is a particularly big period of time coming up because, you know, you've got the Six Nations and, and World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, like it's great. Obviously, there's still uncertainty around when our qualifiers are. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have our eyes on New Zealand and getting on that plane to New Zealand in August. So it's a super exciting year for women's rugby that we do have World Cup qualifiers, then a Six Nations and then potentially a World Cup at the end of the year. Like that's what you play for. It's it's like, yes, I was lucky enough to be in a World Cup in 2017 at home. But going to New Zealand, the you know, they're so passionate about their rugby. It's it's They live and breathe it, whether you're a man or a woman. A World Cup in New Zealand is going to be an extraordinary event and they will treat it the same as a men's World Cup. And, you know, the crowds will be there. The, the standard of rugby on show will be phenomenal. Um, you know, the New Zealand team alone, they're, they're the best, if they're not second best, I'm not sure, in the world at the moment, you know, and there'll be a huge um, amount of eyes on 
on the World Cup as a, as a result of that. It, it, isn't it funny, like normally when I'm talking to an athlete who's building up to a big tournament or trying to get to a big tournament and they say the crowd will be there, you nearly kind of throw it away as a, well, that's an obvious, that's a given. But how, and Emer, this might seem like a silly question, how much of a motivation or how much more motivation does it give you to go to the World Cup? Because as it stands in New Zealand, you would actually get to play in front of a crowd, which is something in this part of the world we hope will happen, but, but it's unlikely to be soon. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think the stadiums will be full. I think they'll realise that, you know, our families can't be there. Our friends can't be there. We, like, there'll be no supporters from our end getting into the country and that the support has to come from them. And I think the stadiums will be full because they are one of the very few countries in the world that gets to have stadiums full and, and fans at stadiums. And that's an added bonus too, knowing that, like, you are going to be going over there playing in front of crowds and obviously yes they'll be you'll be playing for your family and your friends at home and the other girls and and they'll be obviously broadcasted and on, on television but it's it's a different story when you're there and there's a you know the days that we have happened to fill energy apart like it's they're the days that you play for they're the days that you you know you remember and the i think was it 20 was it 2020 i think it was or 2019 where we set like a record attendance for a women's game in ireland um or irish women's rugby game and like you remember those days because you know, they're memorable. And the crowds were so loud that day that your communication had to be extra. You, you're you running out on the field and you're singing the national anthem and you're deafened by the noise. And and that's what you do it for as well. You know, there's so much more. Yes, you play for your country, but you pay for, play for those fans. And you hear a lot of the men saying at the moment that, you know, this one was for the fans and especially Scotland at the weekend. Like, it must have been so difficult not to have had fans there. It's moments like that that you're like, God, it's for the fans. And, um Yes, to go back to your point, it is, it's very exciting to, that we might hope for full stadiums over in New Zealand. I imagine you just can't wait to get going, can't wait to get playing games again, and that, that opportunity is coming up quite soon. Yeah, like I know personally I haven't played since the English game in, in 2026 20, Nations, so it'll be a full year almost since I've played a competitive game. Yes, we've done inter- internal games and we've had quite a lot of contact blocks and training, but nothing really replicates the pressure situation of a game or playing against uh, the best teams in the world. Irish Rugby International, Emer Considine, thanks for joining us at the launch of the Aviva Mini Rugby Virtual Skills Hub. Remember, to find out more, uh, you can go to www.aviva.ie forward slash safe to dream team. Emer, thank you. Thank you very much, Eddie. Yeah, great to hear from Emer Considine there ahead of the start of the Six Nations. Uh, Ireland opening their campaign against Wales on April 10th. Uh, now we're going to talk racing the 2021 Cheltenham Festival as well and truly begun the opening race of the festival just over three weeks away. Dennis Kerman and Dave Keena are looking ahead to one of the biggest events on the sporting calendar. <laughs> and welcome to the Chanel Pharma Irish Road to Cheltenham. I'm Dennis Kerwin and over the next three weeks we will take a look ahead to the Irish Challenge for some of the main prizes at the Cheltenham Festival. We will be joined every week by Patrick Mullins to run the rule over the principal championship races. But first, Dave Keena paid a visit to trainer Shark Hanlon and chatted about the real rags-to-riches story of Sky Ace, who has been a revelation since joining the County Carlow base trainer for £600 and is now festival-bound. Shark, Sky Ace, she's heading to Cheltenham now for the Mayor's Novice Hurdle. It's a bit of a dream. It's a big dream, so just considering that you buy one for £600 and then up in Cheltenham where it's something every trainer dreams of. And we're lucky we have good owners, the Dubai owners, and one chap from Dublin there, 
they're very happy they are this at a high because of it we had in the runner in Cheltenham for a couple of years now Hidden Cyclone was the last one that we had and um, we're going over there like we're going over there with a little chance and that meant a big thing so it is like if we could finish in the first three over there we'll be very happy but I think she has the ability to go in it if, if, if things go right and she's coming into the race in good form listed win and a graded win two surprise results to a lot of people outside but not to you and those closest to her no anyone that has anything to do with her for the last couple of months there for the last six months she's she's doing everything right the whole time if I wasn't training her tomorrow morning if Gordon or Willie or Henry was training her she'd be half the price she is the price won't make any difference and I don't think the trend makes any difference at this stage either I think that we'll do as good as Anyway. It's just unfortunate that the lads involved in her who are huge enthusiasts, they're all based out in Dubai, that they can't go. But from your own perspective here, your mum and dad that live in the house for you, it must give everybody in the yard and the locality a real lift. It's a real lift for us, so it is. Um, my mother and father are inside, they can't go anywhere um, because they're over 80. It's a pity that we can't go because if we could go, uh, definitely my father and mother would be in Cheltenham this year, so they would. But listen, hopefully that everything is alright for next year. Maybe we'll do it something else next year. You deliberately haven't run her in this bad ground over the winter. She's had her last run was in Punchestown. What kind of form has she been in since? You, you've always indicated that she's not the best of workers at home. No, she's a bad workmare at home, so she's, but she's in great form now. We give her a break, she pop a lot of weight and um, she's even working better now than she ever has before. But um, listen, uh, she's, she got a break and she deserved it. She didn't, I didn't want pulling the tail end over on bad ground. So that's the reason I didn't run her for the last couple of months. And uh, she runs well fresh. So I think we'll go to Cheltenham where fresh. And the better ground over there, do you think that'll be a help to her? It makes an awful difference to her. She has to have goodish ground. I ran her in Tipperary one day on bottomless ground and she fell as a matter of fact at the second ass at her last and she just couldn't handle that that heavy tacky ground and the better the ground is the better she'll be so on the lead up to Cheltenham now we're very close to it it's only just a few weeks away uh, is it a bit of a nervy time for you because she other yards they might have a good few runners she's the only shot that you have at the festival this year listen like uh, you take Garn and Willie there and do it 50 or 60 runners apiece when you only have one it's on your morning every morning you get up you're thinking is everything going to be alright And but listen you can't change routine you have to go do the same as you did for the last 12 months with her and um Hopefully everything stays sound. And for the lads in Dubai there, it'd be absolutely brilliant. And for Mick, Delaney in Dublin, like, for to go over there, run well, to buy a horse for 600 quid, and um, have a runner in Cheltenham from it. It's a kind of a dream more than anything else. And final word on the jockey, Jody McGarvey, presumably he's going to maintain the ride. He's a very good rider doesn't get the opportunities possibly that his talent deserves but it's a lovely opportunity for him to go over here and not be under any illusions that he won't be riding he'll definitely ride her I presume oh he definitely rides her he give, he's after giving her great rides the whole way along as a matter of fact she got bit twice with two different riders and every day he gets up on her she rides a race runs a race for him so um, he loves her and um, it's gas I don't let him ride her a bit to walk around never did since we started and we decided we weren't going to change that uh, Shane in the yard rides her in her bits of work and he knows her well 
and he's very happy with her. So, uh, Jodie will meet her there on the day, and hopefully, uh, everything goes to plan. And final question: I presume there's plenty of excitement and a great old buzz in the yard because of the fact that she's going over there a contender. Of course, there's a great buzz in the yard. Like when you have a runner in one of the big meetings for a small yard, it makes an awful difference. So, and I think she'd have plenty of support from all the people around the country as well. Like she's she's a little bit of a talking mare at the moment, and uh, hopefully they can stay talked about her after. Yes, it would be some story if Sky Ace could give Shark Hamlin and the Bird in the Hand Syndicate the ultimate day out at the biggest festival of them all. But now, in the Chanel Pharma Irish Road to Cheltenham, Patrick Mullins talks to Dave Keena about this year's champion hurdle. So, Patrick, with the idea of looking ahead to the main races, I think the champion hurdle is a great way to start off the fixture. That is a particularly good record in the race, but to me, it looks between the two mares this year, Honeysuckle and Epitant. Assuming Epitant comes back to her best, and I was hugely impressed by Honeysuckle at Leperstown, the way she put the race to bed, and she got horses out of their comfort zone very, very quickly. She looks a much improved mare this year. It's going to be a fascinating contest. Um, Honeysuckle, last year, it was the right decision not to go to Champion Hurdle. She wasn't quick enough, slick enough, or sharp enough. Whereas what she did in Leprechaun this year shows she's improved, she's come forward. And for me, she's the one to beat off that. She's quite versatile tactically. Epitant, I wouldn't be too worried about her, her run in Kempton. I think they said she was in season, which would make sense. She'll obviously be stalking Honeysuckle. She probably has a few more gears than her. Um, but Rachel Blackmore will be alive to that. She'll be going a good gallop. It is between the two mares, and I think that's fantastic. I think this mare's programme is really starting to come to fruit now. Um, but I'll be riding charge in the race, and we'll be lurking in the shadows. And maybe if the two mares end up... Uh, if the two mares end up... Um, take Marjorie on we might be able to come and pick up the pieces and you've already won a great one of them this season and he seems to reserve his best form for better ground and maybe he's more spring horse I think at Christmas in Leprosan we're on the very inside track which is a very dry course and then in February we're out in the middle of the track where the walk ground has been watered for the flat racing and it's quite holding in Cheltenham last year he handled the soft ground when it was wet and loose and I think he handles that wet loose soft ground all right so I wouldn't be too worried about the ground in Cheltenham and when you're at the start in a championship race like that what's the atmosphere like at the start is there much chit chat the way there might be or the perception is that you know when you're down at the start you begin to organise yourselves that I'm going to make the running or you have a rough idea is it a little bit more tense at the start of a championship race I suppose in a lot of them there's a smaller field which of course means everyone slots into their position quite easily in a bigger field there isn't much chat no, it's quite, quite, everyone has their goggles down, um, their mouth guards in, and it is, it is a bit tense, it's very professional. Hasn't been any um, fireworks down there when I've been there anyway. And how important from the yard's point of view is to get off to a reasonably good start? I remember Ruby when he won the Supreme and Champagne Fever said it's just great to have a winner on the first day, but to ride the first winner, it's brilliant. Well, to get a winner on the board early is, is so important. I mean, last year it was the last race on the second day, which of course doesn't sound very long, but by God was it a long, it was a long time waiting for it because because especially, like I said, we have a big team, we have lots of fancies, so we need to get one on early. And just one winner takes all the pressure off. One year we got no winner in the first two days, and then we had four on the third day. York Hill under so Nicholas Canyon and I think Let's Dance. Um, and again, that was a long, it was a long wait. 
Yeah, it, it's funny. In, in the space of 24 hours, a lot can change. I remember Robbie McNamara, I think he tweeted um, with his horses were out of form or somebody suggested that they were out of form and then they bounced back into form two days later. And uh, it just goes to show how quickly the game can turn around. That's it. Uh, you know, on that year, I remember we looked at all the results and nothing really ran below par. I mean, Melling got beaten in the Supreme, but he got beaten by a very good horse. And you can run very well in gentlemen and get beaten. You just... Just you finish second, it's not a bad run. Um, it's just so difficult to win over there. So that's the first part of the Irish Road to Cheltenham, thanks to Chanel Pharma, Ireland's leading generic pharmaceutical company. We will look ahead to more Cheltenham contenders next week. Yeah, thanks to Dave Keane and Dennis Carman there as they started on the road to Cheltenham, which is just a couple of weeks away. It's one of the biggest events uh, in the Irish sporting calendar, as Dennis mentioned. So massive excitement uh, here at home and further afield for that. So we'll uh, keep up with that uh, road to Cheltenham preview over the next couple of weeks. But that is it from us on the show this evening. Thank you very much indeed for tuning away on the Big Red Bench. We'll be back next Saturday and Sunday from 6. Valerie's in on Saturday. I'm in on Sunday. And you can follow us on Twitter as well, at Big Red Bench. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram as well, at Big Red Bench. Very imaginative with the old uh, names on our social media handles. Right, but that's it from us. Connor Halpin's up next with Green on Red. Three hours of the best Irish music coming your way uh, for the next uh, three hours right here on Cork Shred FM. But enjoy the rest of your Sunday night, folks, and we'll speak to you next weekend. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.